Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Samurai Brothers. Matthew, we are back for another yep. episode. We are back. And uh, so we're going to be getting into um, tonight. Uh, we got a few things that came up, Matthew. Uh, this is episode 26. And uh, so my understanding is you went you went personally to a, an MMA event over this last weekend. So I'm yeah, sure I've been going to. I've been going to five five night fights on a regular basis. So yeah. So are they based up in the Central Valley or five five nine is the the phone area code? Ah, okay. Well, that would make perfect sense. And um, by the way, when when was the last time you went to? When was the last time they had an event at Tachi Palace that you attended? Dave, my timing has been such that they've never had a. Um, MMA event at Tachi Palace oh. since any time that I've been up here. And my understanding is they probably are not. Oh, okay. All right. Well, so um, basically, so Matthew, uh, we'll start off with that today. We've also got a few other things to cover um, and uh, just uh, some scheduling for uh, uh, 3C2A wrestling is finally in motion. There's been a couple of tournaments that I've seen happen, and then um, also uh, the Akibasho, the September tournament of uh, Ozumo, has finished, and there was it ended up being quite a surprise on the winner and such. So we'll get into a little bit of details, and then um, we, you know, didn't record last week, so we let two episodes, two chapters of One Piece pile up, and there was quite a lot going on there. So we're gonna make sure to cover that because. There was some big revelations on some yep. of this, like, you know, just mind-blowing, I think, you know. Oda really knows how to make things interesting. So, Matthew, let's get it right into it. 559 Fights that happened uh, this last Saturday, so take us right through it. Okay, so as is typical of at least 559 Fights, I would imagine, from what I've seen, a bunch of amateur fights typically pile on the the fighters as well but um we had two four six eight ten twelve fourteen and those were the fights that actually happened a lot of times fights are scratched there were oh, really? scheduled to be like 15 or 16 fights and mm-hmm. four there were still 14 that happened so a lot of these fighters are either make like have one or two fights on their record. They're trying to figure out if they really want to do this. Mm. But um, the main event uh, for the five five nine fights flyweight title, uh, Lazarus Maldonado, known as Laz, mm. um, uh, defeated uh, defeated George uh, George Burgos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, TKO at two twenty nine in the first round. Um, the, this is a rematch. Um, Laz, um, mm. uh, the last fight was a no contest because Laz uh, misjudged it and he hit Burgos when he was still a downed opponent. Mm. It was it was a head kick. Mm. So it was accidental. The fight called the judge called it a no contest. 
Mm. Okay. But yeah, so you know, I'm uh, uh, I'm I'm gonna write a uh, article about this, but I think he's ready for the next level. Like when I I interviewed him for MMA Freak, and he said that he wasn't sure he wanted to do this, but I, I think he has what it takes. Mm. I, I really, it's like from so, what I'm seeing, it's you know he's he's a young kid. He's like twenty, or in his early twenties. So and he's, mm-hmm. I I seriously think he should uh, consider the next level because he's mm-hmm. just, he's. So how many how many fights has he had so far? He's had six amateur fights. This might have no. This was his seventh. Um and uh. So he's, I believe, six and one, and it's one loss he avenged. Mm. So he's he's going upward. I think he should consider giving the pros a shot. Mm. Okay. So uh, so that that was interesting then. So so that means that he's the current title holder of the the um, in the in that weight class. He's the five five nine fights and camo flyweight title. Camo is the California Amateur Mixed Martial Arts Organization. Mm. Interesting. So he holds that in two amateur. So he holds the title in two amateur. Uh, well, organizations. Cam- camo is the governing body. It would be the equivalent if the if of uh, if the California State Athletic Commission. Um, had uh, an MMA title. Mm, okay. Interesting. Like, oh, the best equivalent I could say is like the New York State Athletic Commission used to have mm-hmm. a boxing championship. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I think that eventually was morphed into one of the boxing organizations. Mm-hmm. The lineage of that title. But yeah, so yeah, this would be equivalent if, of if... Uh, the uh the the athletic commission had a um a championship oh good good so what 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 was the next fight that uh really caught your attention uh so this was women's welterweight that kind of on the bigger side women's 170 pounds and these are not big women Mm -hmm. you know they're they're my height and they're not like rotund i'll just say they're mm-hmm. not they're not overweight so i'm kind of like surprised like gee whiz it's like are these women packing in like muscle that i'm not seeing under there maybe so that's the only thing i can think of so uh julia alonzo um who i believe was one and one and then uh debbie svong who was one mm-hmm. and oh uh i think this was for the camo title mm. interesting Okay. But yeah, she she knocked oh. her out in um Well, who 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 knocked who out? Julia Alonso knocked out Debbie Zvong. Okay. And so how successful has uh, um Alonso been? Uh well, this makes her 2 and 1. 2 and 1. Okay. And that was for the title fight? Yeah. I I I would imagine or- that being women's welterweights, there aren't a whole lot of opportunities. I <laughs> saw one of her fights but yeah, right. I would imagine that there aren't a whole lot of opportunities for women that big. I'm real surprised that that Camo sanctioned a title. 
for that for that weight class. For that weight class. Yeah. Yeah, that you know, maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe these girls will be recruited to to the um to PFL next year. Hmm. Maybe. That's interesting. Okay. And then, um, so what was the third? So the third match you had a the highlight. The third match was lightweight champion uh, David uh, Mariscal. I think this was vacant. So mm-hmm. David Mariscal. Either that or he was the defending champ. I'd like to say this was for the vacant title. Mm-hmm. But he beat Enrique Carino at one second. Um, he took him down, got the mount, and... Uh, one one second of uh, what? The first period? Second no, period? No, one minute. Oh, one minute. Oh, okay. Took him down, mounted him, wasn't, poured down the punches. Wasn't that much of a fight then? Well, yeah, no. He, he, yeah, he's... he's uh, yeah, I've, I've watched him in several. It's, some of these guys are are repeat guys. The the headliners, they're they're repeat guys. So they just oh, went okay. in and. I should note that there were um, grappling events interspersed because mm-hmm. a lot of times five five nine will throw in some. Um, I guess you would call it no gi jujitsu or grappling. Mm, yes. So. Um, but it was very interesting because normally they do adults, but right. these were kids. Oh, really? Hmm. And most of them were in geese. So one one thing I've I've been told because um, you know if you remember Alan, yep. uh, you know my my uh, my teammate, my friend, you know because we coached together and um, you know he had he had gotten way over I don't know something like two hundred. 20 pounds, I think, or something like that. What did that. he wrestle at? Well, when he wrestled at Fullerton, I think he was in the... He was probably wrestling, like, 50s or 60s, I think, at that time. But, you know, so he let himself kind of get a little bit, you know, round and stuff like that. And then... We've all uh, gotten out of shape. Yeah, very true. One guy who hasn't gotten out of shape is Vince Silva. Yeah, he manages to stay in shape. Boy, man. Oh, I, I do not know. Yeah, even even you know he's had to he's had to get some you know corrective surgeries and stuff like that too. So just yeah, yeah he had to you know because he's kind of a tall guy. So sometimes you know like his knees or his his hips you know are kind of you know might trouble him. So but man he's walking around and everything. What was his injury too? What was his injury? Uh, When I don't remember at the NCAA's, I'd have to. I'd have to ask. I think it had something to do with his his shoulder or his collarbone. I think that's what I had heard, but I don't know that for certain. I think it had something to do with that. Um. Anyway, so but yeah, you know he um, you know he had some treatment a little while ago, but man, he's all walking around and stuff again. So you know, just the man is amazing, you know, and how he's able to to do stuff like that you know i'm i'm just always amazed at that but um where were were we going with this um about uh was it about hmm? oh yeah alan so he was he was doing um you know some some bjj you know recently and he's down to like i think 180 or 190 i think so you know he, he lost a lot of weight 
So that's that's why, you know, like I talked to you, you know, on, on you know, when I was talking to you on when I was texting you and I was like, yeah, maybe I should go do one of these things, but just kind of find the right area, you know, find find the right gym and then. Well, it's a lot. E- the way that BJJ is versus the way wrestling is wrestling is you have to be a little bit willing to be a little bit more aggressive. Right. BJJ, you can afford to be defensive and you could still win a match because BJJ right. B to my knowledge, BJJ matches are not timed. Right. So they literally go until someone wins. Oh yeah, that can, you can probably ex- expand. I, a might, lot of- I might be wrong, but that's my understanding of the sport. Well, which, there which may why, not be a time. Limit. Yeah, which is why the early UFCs were structured the way they were because they were tailored specifically for the the Gracies because they were spo- right. they were trying to prove that BJJ was a um, was superior. Well, they did prove it for a relatively long time until you had the cross train fighters, right? Who realized, oh, if I cross-training multiple disciplines i can beat these guys yep that's Which true eventually happened unfortunately it's just yeah. you know so anyway so were there any other like major like i don't know finishes or something that stood out to you for uh any of the other fights there on- were several finishes um before we move on uh let's well I'm I'm gonna mention um the two other um uh two other major win uh wins. Javier Torres mm-hmm. uh, also a flyweight. He made his way through a decision. He's a regular at five five nine. And then Johnny Maldonado, bantamweight, also regular. He made his way through a decision. So. Um, Impressive armbar by Roman uh, Gillen in the first round. Mm-hmm. It was funny because his opponent, uh, Daniel Bradley, was, like, starting to get out, but he never fully let go of it. And you didn't even see the tap from the angle I was in. Um, mm. Jose Estrada, I think that was the one where they had to call the ref it, or the, the paramedics in. Mm. So okay. that was... Um, and Richard Hooligan taking out Christian De La Cruz. So, yeah, we had some. Some uh, interesting so, yeah, fights. There, there, yeah, there were there were um, there were some like, oh, well, just drag out decisions. And then there were some uh-huh. um, uh, better fights there. So, so right. um, but you enjoyed yourself, right? Yeah, I enjoyed myself. Also, what uh, what was unique um, is that uh, during the summer, five five nine fights host uh-huh. events in at um, the uh, Rawhide Stadium, which is home to the the Visalia Rawhide, which is actually a uh, minor league uh, baseball team. Mm. So what they did was they had the cage down at home plate. The um, VIP area, which is where I was, was um, basically along the the baselines, and then everyone else was uh, was you know around the, the in the stands around the home plate area. Okay. 
Oh, good. Uh, up note, an interesting thing that happened uh, at the fight, uh, a drone started flying overhead, and we think it was probably uh, someone nearby trying to get a look at it, which uh, the um, security made it as difficult as possible trying to throw things at it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, like, yeah, uh, you're not going to watch any fight free. Uh, you're not going to watch any free fights here. Yeah. <laughs> so they were just tossing mainly shoes, mm. but okay. they never got to it. It was a professional, it was like a pretty good quality drone, too. The thing went up like 50, 60 feet above the air. Could barely see the thing. But yeah, that was, uh, so yeah, that was five five nine fights. All right. Well, good to know that uh, you know you got to see some good fights and stuff. And yes, we would be definitely interested to see uh, how that interview turns out for sure. Um. Uh, it's it's on the MMA. Oh, it's on. Okay. All right. But uh, yeah, maybe you can try to set up with some more interviews with some of these guys, and we can you know maybe get some clippings up on on our. I- tried to work at out another interview with one of my with my contact but it um the timing didn't quite work out so all right well good good so we'll we'll conclude that then for uh for five five nine fights and uh so some pretty good insight matthew so let's move on to our next topic for tonight and that was the akibasho of sumo and uh the september tournaments and uh so I'm sure, Matthew, you heard about some of the stuff going on, and uh, Dad made sure he was up to date on it. So, there, one of the things this was, was one of those bashos where there were a lot of um, uh, losing records in Makuchi. Yeah, a lot of people that were just underperforming. And obviously, one of the highlights that ended up happening was Yokozuna Terunofuji having to pull out, you know, because of his injury. And I looked at the report of the injury when they released, you know, uh, why he was withdrawing and then the treatment and stuff. And he actually has a dislocated knee and uh, it was going to require surgery and stuff. So, you know, and this is something we've known for a while. I mean, everybody in the sumo world knows that Tedano Fuji is is has a shelf life. Yeah, he's fighting on borrowed time and he's. You know, and I've I've made mention of this before, that he did his time, you know, he made this spectacular comeback, you know, to rise from, from, you know, the, from behind the curtain down to, you know, as low as he could have been in, in his sumo career to come back and make Yokozuna. And then he's put, you know, you show, um, you know, championships together after he made the rank of Yokozuna. So... You know, he's just kind of, he he was trying to do his duty as the sole Yokozuna in sumo, but, it, you know, sometimes your body can only take you so far. Yeah, I, I, I think he may need to just consider calling it a career. Possibly, yes. Um, I it's think like they, they, they awarded him as Yokozuna. He won some basho as Yokozuna, but as you said, he's done a bar time. He only owes, he can only do so much... For the, you know, the sumo, well, the sumo I think, association, the community, the stuff like that. He can only do so much because he's got a shelf life. 
He had these injuries. He's probably going to have no cartilage, you know, in his 50s, 60s, something like that. So, He's got to one I don't thing know I, if he. I don't know if he has knee replacement uh, surgery, but if he hasn't, he will need it. Yeah. He, one thing he, I have to. One thing I do have to point out, though, what he may be trying to do, because, you know, he he has applied for and he has gotten Japanese citizenship, which means he intends on staying in the Kyokai, you know, as a oyakata, but. In order to do that, he's going to have to secure a kabu or stock, you know, an elder stock in order to be able to do that. And right now, stock is a little bit, um, you know, scarce as far as actually securing a stock. So maybe he might be trying to, you know, bide his time on on that, um, maybe trying to negotiate, you know, with the Kyokai. I mean, there's always that possibility. I mean, you know, you've got a lot of a lot of wrestlers that are trying to, you know, they end up wrestling probably longer than they should be. Like some of these guys, you know, they fall down to, you know, Makushta and stuff, you know, longer than they normally would have. And so, you know, that's a possibility that that may be the thing that he's waiting on. So, but I mean, you know, only time will tell and only Teru no Fuji will know. And I guess it just depends on how things are going with available, you know, Kabu in the Kyokai. That's, I think that's what it comes down to. Um, well, like, Hakuho didn't need to go as long as he did because he already had the, the, you know, everything, right? He went probably maybe a year or two longer than he should have, but you know, I mean, well, he well the 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 timing coincided with his oyakata. Yeah, I'm wondering if that's maybe what did happen because you know he only he was only retired for a year, and then he and his oyakata switched places because the original Miyagi no oyakata turned 65 few months back and that's where they switched you know the kabu so now hakuho is the miyagino oyakata and um you know maybe for some wrestlers you know there's other ways that they can help with sumo so like one of the things for instance um you know before we go back into the main topic of the the akibasho you've got one of hakuho's um you know fellow former um stable mates you know now his now he's his he's his deshi but there's a wrestler called ishiura and uh ishiura um you know actually his dad is like the he's the i don't know if he's the principal or the vice principal and he's the sumo coach at this this powerhouse sumo high school so there's people theorizing about this on Sumo Forum, you know, which is always why that's a little fun to. But Ishiura has is kind of in his twilight, the twilight of his career now because he's gotten injured and he's sat out the last two basho, and now he's dropped down to Makushta from Makuuchi. So the theory is is that maybe Ishiura might be getting, you know. He doesn't have enough secure, you know, he doesn't have enough qualifications for staying in the Kyokai. Maybe he might get a job at the at the 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 Power High School, which I think he did graduate from himself, 
and he might be getting into that head coach position because then what's going to happen is now you have a feeder program into the new Miyagi Novea. And that could be very, you know, that could be quite something for Hakuho going into the next, you know, couple of decades. Yeah, because cause they they start recruiting those guys out of high school, right? Oh, they start recruiting them out of middle school. Some of them they start recruiting out of elementary school. Yeah, but you can't get them into a Baya until... Uh, no, they have to graduate middle school. Yeah. But yeah, if you once you develop a pipeline and stuff like that, so if... If um, you know, a lot more wrestlers are starting to graduate high school now, but yeah, if you've got if you've got a pipeline like that, man, you're pretty set. And you're pretty you 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 could be having a dominant um, you know a dominant heya in the future. Uh, Hako Hakuho, you know, he's he's you know it's taking a little time, but a lot of his recruits they're starting to come up and they're starting to come up really strong is the thing so now i for now i forgot in order to avoid the one foreigner rule how much school does someone have to do yeah okay so apparently this is how it's working the one foreigner is this person is coming directly from overseas so like what Konishiki Akebono Mashimaru right. did. Yeah. Because they came direct. Because so, they were like going in, they were like going to go into college and then they had other athletic right. experience. And right. the, you know, members of the Sumo Kokai were like, oh, these guys look promising. And of course they all were. So. so, so here's how they're skirting that rule. You've got a lot of these guys who are coming in as exchange students. So that means that they're going through the sumo system in Japan. They're either going in, you know, so they're going in through the high school or they might be going in through the college also. And that way they're they're in the and then some of them, they've they've stayed in Japan long enough, like they might have come over when they were in elementary school and they stayed long enough where they can get a green card. Or 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 a uh, or a permanent residence card in Japan. It's the Japanese equivalent of a green card. Right. So if they've got that, then you know that means that they're living. They are actually living in Japan. So then, you know, the the heya or whoever's trying to recruit the the foreigner doesn't have to worry about the whole visa thing. So that's how they're 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 you know that's the loophole and and, and a, like, a really, lot of them. really that's a ridiculous rule the one hey the one foreigner per hey rule well yeah like well, yeah well, because like, the japan baseball league also has that rule like they have yes, a, I, think I think it's, it's three, three three per team yeah but yeah, yeah so basically so as long as you're you're place of origin doesn't necessarily have to be your place of birth it's your place of origin according to the kyokai that's what they consider to be whether you're considered as a foreigner or not so you got a lot there's like a lot of them like you going so let's just say hypothetically hypothetically if you had gone through a high school 
you would have gone on to college, let's say. Because I, I would not, yeah, I didn't have, because we had that, we had that residence, but it wasn't permanent. So I think I would have had to secure a visa if I wanted to try to go into sumo in some way. Okay. Let's say, yeah. But yeah, that's how they're, that's how they're scared. So these people are being considered as Japanese. Yeah, it's really interesting. So the second point I wanted to bring up, you know, we had quite a, quite a, you know, <laughs> we went off topic there as far as the Basha was concerned, but the, the underwhelming performance of the Ozeki. Now you had Takakesho who, you know, kind of seemed rocky at the start, but he had a 10 and five finish, which is pretty, that's deemed respectable for, for a Ozeki. But then you had Shodai, who just came off of a Kadoban, meaning he was in danger of losing his rank. In July, he managed to achieve the majority of wins, or Kachikoshi, which got him off. Um, you know, it, it got him off of Kadoban. And then, and then you had Mitakiumi, who was Kadoban. In the previous Basho, but he got saved because he was forced to withdraw from the tournament due, a, due to a COVID infection. So the Kyokai. Hey, I saw that wasn't much of an issue, this Basho. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somehow it turned out not to be much of an issue, this Basho. So Mitakiumi, you know, because considering he was on his way to dropping last Basho, but he got saved. He got saved. So Kyokai gave him another chance. Both Ozeki turned out a 4 and 11 record, just abysmal. I mean, it, you know, it's like, well, why even why even going the whole way through is my, you know, my thought. But so now we're in another conundrum. You know, the, the Kyokai is kind of in a bind here because you got one Ozeki that's falling from the rank. He's going to be Sekiwaki next Basho. Now, if he gets if he gets ten wins, your so, Sol Yokozuna is out with an injury. More than likely, he will probably sit the Basho out. You got Takakesho, who's if he's got doing, doing okay. If he's got a dislocated knee, he's probably out until like not just next year, well into next year. He's probably gonna miss the. Is there is there a January Basho? Yes, there's a January Basho. He's probably gonna miss that. So. so he, Knee, knee dislocations and surgery, he's probably going to miss that. So, Takakesho is okay. You know, he's not dominant. If he was injury-free, he could probably be a Yokozuna. But, you know, so, unless he really turns up the, the heat, he's not going anywhere, you know, into next year. Like, we're, Shol just a, we're in, like, a very mediocre time right now. Oh, well, you know... What was it about Hakuho? Because Hakuho yeah, Haku just retired, mm -hmm. and the what you know, you had this come from behind admiral vic, admirable victory, but you have another Yokozuna who's yeah, Tetano Fuji is he, he's basically the transitionary Yokozuna, that's what he is, and yeah, he's not gonna set any those... records, he'll be, he'll be lucky if he comes back from this injury, yeah, so. And then, yeah, you've got people who are just not dominant right now. And this actually happened, you know, 30 years ago. 
um, a few years before we went to Japan, it was actually this similar transitionary period where there were no Yokozuna on the Banzuke. And uh, then you had a weird situation where there were too many when Konishiki won. Right, right. Yeah, there's never been five it Yokozuna. Like they were mediocre, re- realistically. Right. So, yeah, and, and so when you're in this transitionary period, you're going to have, like, a lot of people winning. Uh, but, you know, so far it seems, so, you know, Mitakeumi, he's got to win 10 to regain his rank next Basho. Shodai is so inconsistent, you know, and, and, and for the, I, I've checked his record. For the last four tournaments, he's had a one and four start. Over the pa- literally. Last four tournaments, he's had a one and four start each of those tournaments. And if I go back and, you know, so let's say one and four supposed to be the aren't the first five matches supposed to be the easier matches? They're supposed to be the easier match. So in March, after a one and four start, he finished nine and six. In May, after his one and four start, he went five and ten. And then last Last tournament, he went 10 and 5. And then he actually won the first day of this tournament and he finishes 4 and 11. And, and that included eight straight, no, nine straight losses. I mean, come on. So, very inconsistent. So, the danger is, is that if he goes Makekoshi or loses eight bouts, and then you've got Mitakeumi, you know, he doesn't look very strong, and there's a possibility he may not regain his rank. So then you're left with only one Ozeki. What are you going to do? Well, right now, they've got Wakataka Kage, who finished 11-4, and four, and uh, so far he's got 20 wins. Now, the de facto minimum for making Ozeki is 33 wins, you know, and impressive performances. My prediction is that if the worst case scenario happens where Mitakeumi doesn't regain his rank, if Shodai does, it ends up dropping, and if Wakataka Kage puts in, you know, 11 to 12 wins, I think they'll promote him. Because there's a, there's this, there's apparently there's this rule, and I, I might have explained it before, there's, but there's a requirement of two Ozeki on, on the Banzuke. And this already happened See, once. I- I never knew that, but it makes sense because they always had to. There's always been two, right? Because the the thing was that Ozeki was always the highest rank, but when Yokozuna came around, it was this thing of of uh, licensed Ozeki to perform the 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 dohyoi. That's where it came from. So you can manage without Yokozuna, which it's happened already. Uh, so yeah, that's that's how that's going. So let's get into how the Yusho race went, and it ended up being the Iron Man of Sumo, the 37-year-old veteran Tamawashi, ends up winning his second Yusho of his career, and it is now it now sets the record for oldest Yusho winner in the modern era, and. All time, he's second to Yokozuna Tachiyama, who won it at the age of 38. And uh, what era? That would have been in the Taisho era. Oh, 
Wow, wow. So we're talking 90 years, 90, 90, 100 years ago now. So, yes. Um, you know, so it's quite something of that. So, you know. Like, and Hakuho was what, 34 when he retired? He was 36 when he retired. And and his last U show is, I think, sixth place now on the all-time list. Or uh, it's, ranks uh, right, of age? Of age. So, yeah. So, I would put this into two categories. You've got the all-time list, and then you've got the modern era list, which is, they consider the modern era to be in during the Showa era. And um, Well, because the, the Showa era started in, what, the 20s? The Showa era, yes, it started in the 20s. And even back then, the Showa era, um, they did not, it wasn't until 1957, I think, 57 or 58, um, that they started having six tournaments a year. So then you've got, How many you know, tournaments did they have a year before then? So normally it was only two tournaments. And then it was, it started... It started increasing, I think, as the sh as they got into the Showa era because it got up to I think three tournaments pre World War II, and I think after it increased to four, and then eventually got to five, and then six. So the modern the the concept a lot of the modern concepts and tournaments are really new because of the fact that. The tournaments increased within right. a short span of each other. So the modern, and, the 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 six tournament format is is pretty new. Yeah, it's newer compared to a lot of the other things that happened. But I think when they went to fifteen days, I think fifteen days is also considered the modern era. You know, because it wasn't fifteen days. You know, before. What did they used to do? It, well, like, it used to be, like, 10 days during the Edo period. And I think it kind of, you know, ranged on that. Um, and then it got, like, to 11 and 13. And then the reason they made it 15 was because of uh, Futabayama, who had his win streak going. And so they decided to make it 15 days to kind of balance out, you know, to keep track easier of that. Because um, I think Futabayama ended up, winning like two 15 and O's with that, you know, because he, he got to 69 consecutive wins, which is the all time record. Now, Jessica from the modern, uh, Sumo Kyokai was founded in the, I think it was founded in the, I think I'd like to say um, I read that it was in the twenties. Yes. And that's when modern record keeping started, right? Because before then, it was just so a it, it depends on what records you're referring to. So the U show, the the current U show system, the official U show system started in 1909. Any U show before 1909 is not officially recognized. So everything else is kept in the record books of the Kyokai. So what, what happened in 1909? I'd have to go back and look at it. Why they decided in 1909 to start covering that. 
like Absolutely. something must have happened in 1909 that caused that system to go yeah. into place. Yeah. But before that, it was like regional. Uh, that may have been the possibility. And then, and then you had you also had two factions at play. You had the Eastern Sumo, Tokyo Sumo, and then you had uh, Osaka Sumo. And then I think they were split. And then I think in the 30s or 40s they actually merged. So some of the some of the records are are absorbed by the current Kyokai for Osaka Sumo. It's kind of like kind of like how you know. I think you, it was in the 30s it was merged. Yeah. Kind of like how you have, you know, the NFL, MLB, NBA kind of recognizing some of the st statistics from the leagues that they merged with. I think the... It would, you know, it would probably be the equivalent of the, of the NFL, NHL, or... No, no. Okay, um... NFL AFL merger and then the the merger that created the MLB. Mm -hmm. Right. Because what happened was the AFL and the NFL merged under the NFL banner and then they became right. the two the two conferences. Right, the two conferences. Whereas the the MLB basically remained separate, but they merged under one one banner they, they, they and actually and, and and the mlb recognizes a lot of other leagues records also like the negro leagues and 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 stuff like that they actually recognize those records and those championships too so sumo kind of does well, the same isn't thing that because, isn't that because isn't that because there were uh, eventual mergers of yes. those leagues yes into and, and so and so some of the yokozuna from the osaka sumo Chokai are recognized as part of the the Yokozuna line today. Right, because the the um wasn't it a bunch of mergers that created the the two associations? Uh possibly, yes. Cuz that's the yeah, so okay. But anyway, Tamawashi, you know, and actually it was a pretty dominant performance. He was pretty dominant Tamawashi. Thirteen and two records, so that's nothing to laugh at. And um, yeah, but he's a uh, he's a uh, uh, what rank is he? He was a he was an M three. This Basho, but I don't I don't has he hit Komosubi or Sekiwake? Oh, he's been Sekiwake. In fact, his first U show he won as a Sekiwake. I don't you know being thirty eight. I, I doubt he's gonna get any higher. No, he probably won't make uh, he won't make Ozeki, but you know he's been very consistent. And aside from the COVID withdrawal that we talked about, you know, last time, he's never missed a match. And you know, thankfully, the Kyokai preserved his uh, his um, consecutive bout streak. Yeah. So. But congratulations to Tomawashi, you know, hard-fought battle. Also, a little bit of trivia. His only two losses were to Wakataka Kage and Wakamoto Haru, also known as the Onami brothers. So, you know, the only pair of brothers that I can think of that would have defeated a Yusho winner last time would have been Takanohana and Wakanohana. Yeah, I, I read that um the... um. I read that the two criteria for up for um, any division people not 
facing each other bar playoff is same Heia or blood relations, which mm-hmm. I imagine would probably be, you know, like first generation cousins at the most. Yeah, I don't I don't know that I've heard of any cases of cousins being in there. It's always siblings. Right, it's always siblings. You always see siblings. Um so yeah. And and there's been instances where siblings may join different Heas, but they never match them against each other in in a regular tournament. Well, let's see the 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 Hanada brothers were in the same Heya, yes. right? Yes. And they actually did have one playoff against each other. Yeah, but yeah, but normally the rivalry of that era was Takano Hanaverzake Bono. Yep. So anyway, it'll be interesting to see how the November Basho goes. I mean, there's going to be a lot, a lot of uh, storylines, a lot of drama. You know, it'll be interesting. I'll have to say. Oh, so um, some developments uh, with the uh, and and again, I wish that I could really I could uh, say that I've put in an online presence, but I haven't so far. So developments with the um, with the uh, um, Sequoia Sumo Club, or as I refer to it, the the Sequoia Bea. Um, <laughs> I thought it sounded nice. Yeah. Um, so I actually uh, finally got a hold of someone, and I'm not going to name names yet until it's it's official and we actually hold an event there. But um, I found a um, local, I'll just say martial arts uh, school who's willing not just to host us, but also do pro, uh, cross promotion with us. And the individual expressed interest in some of that school's participants cross uh, doing cross uh, promotion there as well. Okay, cool. Yeah, so, um, and said individual said that there can be a um, working of a, of a um, arrange, financial arrangement that would be um, workable. Well, good, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, so yeah, it's um yeah, I'm I'm looking. Um yeah, I'm glad that and I from the feeling I get from this person is that said person just wants to help um just martial arts develop in the Central Valley because you know if there's only so much martial arts, especially in the Lamore area. Whereas most other people that I've been in contact with about possibly doing it, they seem to want to stay in their own lane and any kind of deviation into their own lane seems to threaten them for some reason. Or another way of putting it is that they're alphas and don't like the idea of another alpha going into their their territory. Their domain, yeah. Yeah, their domain. But yeah, so I'm glad to see that things are working. More official, out. I'll, I'll, um, I'll, you know, I'll, well, I'm, I'm going to create a minimum of Facebook page. Um, I think Facebook and Instagram can be linked. Yeah, you so can I link would, up. Yeah, so I would create a linked profile, and then Good. the, you know, the locations would be announced. Um, on the the Sequoia um, Sumo Club page. All right. Once, Good once to I got it up and running. No, no, yeah, I can't wait to see the updates because, uh, you know, it'll come a time where 
we will face each other. Yes, most likely in the U.S. Sumo Open. Unless, I'm, I keep looking at the sumo, uh, U.S. Sumo Federation um, page and can't find any uh, references to where the where nationals are going to be next year. Uh, you're talking about the national championships to go to the world um, championships, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I know last time they were the, the uh, earlier this Utah, year they were right? in Utah, but yeah. I'm I'm trying to find out from Andrew Freund what 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 it is, but is he um, the is he the um? Yeah, he, he's a trustee on the U.S. Sumo Federation, so. Well, it's like there's only so many places it could be. I'd imagine that they rotate it between Utah, Houston, and here, based off. Of, well, they, those are the major sumo hubs here in the U.S., right? Well, California, and then I don't know where else. You know, Dallas is. Or not Dallas, Texas in general has It's a, big in Hawaii, but, you know, going... Yeah, going no one... I, I think... Well, you know what? I think maybe one or two the, people from Hawaii. I looked... I was looking sumo up. There's one Pakuzumo in Hawaii. So it's it's big enough out there to where, you know, they have the little league of sumo. Yeah. So it's... there's There's got... I don't know if... It from the sound of the U.S. Open, there weren't anyone from Hawaii, but there's got to be people in Hawaii. Yeah. All right. Well, good to know, Matthew. But so. but when was the last time you heard of an international of a national competition in Hawaii? They just aren't there. No. Because it's it's easier to it's easier to to it's easier to go uh, for transportation on the mainland than it is to yep. go out to. It's like I'm sorry, Hawaii, but you're you're kind of screwed geographically. All right, Matthew, let's get into One Piece. One Piece. Chapter 1060. So we'll, we'll try to speed through these because you and I have uh, a lot to do after this. So let's, um, 1060. So the news is out. The Straw Hats have found out. It says that Sabo has killed Nefertari Cobra and kidnapped Nefertari Vivi. And Luffy is in a great state of shock because of this. So, Matthew... Your thoughts on what what is going through Luffy's mind and everyone else's mind right now? Well, I'm glad that Zoro was able to rein him in and be like, "What did you say about Ace?" Mm-hmm. Now I know that some people, I, I I noticed some people were pointing out how it's like, well, okay, yeah, Luffy let Ace do as he wanted, and then you know he ended up captured by Blackbeard and ultimately ended up, you know when saving Luffy paid for with his life. Uh, you know, so there was some people pointing that out, but yes, Zoro being the, you know, the, what is that? The, um, thought of the de facto first mate. He is the de facto first mate. No matter. It's, it's like, regardless of what his role is, the first mate role, or at least, or it's more of like the EXO. So, you know, Luffy wanted to go, on a, a non-military ship, it's it's the it's the first mate. Yeah, he is the first mate. So by, by default, no. it's like you could say you. It's like you could say whatever. He is the first mate by default. So Luffy's making these un unreasonable, you know, uh, orders of wanting to go to Maurizio or back to um, Alabasta, and um, you know, so it's not really anything that they can do right now. Um, but, uh, you know, they're going to see how things are going, 
And uh, let me see here. I think what else are we seeing because of this? Um, so obviously. Luffy is going to believe in Sabo. That's without a doubt. You know, I mean, everyone's going to believe in Sabo, you know, if, if they're on his side, you know, and and um, as it should be. And then well, Luffy, everyone, everyone who knows his character knows that he wouldn't do something like that. Right. And are we, are we going to skip ahead to his call with, uh, with the revolutionaries? Well, uh, well I want to first say that. So then Luffy decides that he tells now... It it it, um, it seems to me that I never had seen what specifically that Luffy had told Ace and um, you know Sabo, and then he even told this to Shanks. But apparently he has a dream, and he starts talking about the dream, and then it kind of drifts off, um, you know, because of uh, because of uh, what's going on with. Um, how would I say it? He hasn't. It, it's not revealed in in real life, so that's that's what's going on there. So, but then it's not revealed to the audience, but it's revealed to the crew, and the crew is in shock, and it seems something that's near impossible. And uh, but it seems like it's going to be something that'll be a pretty big reveal. Once it gets to us. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! 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 Sorry, I wasn't. I wasn't. Um, yeah, his his uh, his dream, which he made clear, is not just to be king of the pirates. It's what shocked Sabo and Ace. Right. So, you know what? That's whatever he's gonna do after he goes to Laugh right. Tail. He's gonna reveal it afterwards. He said specifically said after I become king of the pirates. So so that there's means. an end game. There, it's not just going to end when he goes to Laugh Tale. There's an end game here that's right. going to extend it past. So this confirms that the series is not going to end after they find the One Piece. There's going to be some... yeah. He's going to go. He's going to make it to Laugh Tale. He's going to be- become the king of the pirates, and he's going to go from there. Yep. Whatever this end game is, he's going to try to accomplish. So. Um, now let's get into the call to the revolutionaries that you mentioned. So he called Dragon and everyone at the chapter. Yes, Sabo did. So means that Sabo was confirmed alive at that point. And Sabo is calling from uh, a place called Momoiro Island, which is one of the kingdom. It's home to the Lelouchia Kingdom, which is uh, one of the nations that was toppled when the revolutionaries started doing stuff during the 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 reverie and um but you've got the marines they're tracking sabo's call and uh it almost seems like so that would indicate to me that sabo wanted to be heard he he didn't care whether the marines were going to be tracking him or not because what he found out he feels needs to be revealed to the world and, and he got out enough of it before the call got cut off. Enough right? of it to say that there's something wrong. But what we find, Matthew, and, uh, you know. He as found out who's behind the. Found out that there's. Team. Yes. Now, he found out, yes, that there's someone sitting on the empty throne that shouldn't be there. 
But, Matthew, do you want to go through and tell us what happens before Savo can make the final reveal? Well, he uh, he starts before he it he uh, he reveals everything. He, they they jam his signal, so he's he only gets out that he is talking. He did was not the one who assassinated Cobra, and that he found out. I forget if he said that there is someone behind. Mm-hmm. Did did he say someone? That before? He he was saying that someone uh, the throne was not empty is what he said specifically. And is that where it got cut off? That's where he gets cut off. And yeah. and and which at that point most Marines don't know this. Mm-hmm. They're ninety nine percent. Actually, probably all the Marines don't know this. Yes. I it's like because as far as as far as what's it called as far as um, Sakazuki knows. The head of the government is the Gorose. Yes. So he doesn't he doesn't know this. What's so what so yeah, he doesn't know this. So any Marine who heard that now knows something that they shouldn't. Right. Because so. with, with yeah, the the Gorose yeah, the the fact of the matter is the the all the the inbred Revolutionary dra- world nobles probably don't know Eam exists. Yeah. The 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 way that I, it was described, there might be one person who knows about Eam mm-hmm. that I know of, and that's probably Dolphamingo. Yes. So we'll he, get into that. We'll get into that, Matthew. But I need you to reveal what happens at the end. Um. The it gets cut off. I forget what was Sabo saying so, uh, after Sabo it got was, cut off. Uh, like, I don't know. I, I don't remember specifically, but somehow the Gorose say something to the Marines who are listening. And their message was that um, whatever you heard, you can forget what you heard uh, because of something. And so, Matthew, what happens? Uh, oh, it was, it was the Gorose who were saying that? Yeah. Well, they said, "What's it called? Island doesn't eg- never existed, anyways." Mm-hmm. And we just see this giant flash of light go boom and just wipe, literally wiped the island off the the face of the earth. It has basically been erased from history. Is what happens. Yes, the island never existed to begin with, is what they end up saying. So this is a big revelation. Well, and the way that Oda frames it, it looks like Eam was the one who yes, instituted that attack. So, I doubt this is a a, a devil fruit. No, unless it was. Unless Eam are- is like the Gorose and is immortal and passed it on. And and was the one who basically. Long story short, we know who what happened to God Valley. Yes, I was gonna say, man, this is this is exactly what happened to God Valley. Is that whatever this was, you know, this weapon because it's probably a weapon. It's not a devil fruit at this point. It is a weapon. And uh, you and I are running along the same theory, which is this is probably Uranus. 
Yeah, this is probably yes. The world government has control of Uranus, right. and it's able to, it's able to literally wipe. It. It's it's got like the Buster Call. This this makes Buster the call Buster is Call nothing. look. This makes the Buster Call look like a mosquito bite in comparison. Uh huh. Because the Buster Call may, the Buster Call will leave an I will basically reduce an island to rubble. Right. But there's still something there. This destroys it completely. Like, a nuke can't even do this. Yeah. A nuke would flatten an island, but there's still something there. This... So we know what happened to God Valley. Yeah. And and more than likely, we don't know for sure, but, you know, it's not 100% confirmed, but you and I are both standing on the same theory that this was this your- is ninety percent sure what probably happened now, to God Valley. An interesting and- theory I saw. I don't know if it was from Grand Line Review or King of Lightning, but there there's a theory that is NL somehow connected to Eam. Now we don't know that for I don't know because NL's power is a lot more slow moving. Right. So hard hard to but maybe they're connected in some way, but I don't know. It's kind well, of because NL went to the moon. Well, let's look at it this way. These are similar attacks. Yes, that's why they're I'm, saying. I'm, I'm making a prediction. Eam is going to try this attack again. Oh, I don't doubt it. And we know what happened when NL, with enough, uh, you know, attempted an attack like that and... Yeah, because he was able to do the same thing. In yeah. fact, he he, he ended of, up destroying his own home country. He destroyed his own home country. He destroyed um, Skypea, and he was gonna try to destroy what was what was the island that got lifted up? Oh gosh, man, it's been so long since we've been on this. Um, I, I I know what you're talking about. He was gonna, yeah, he was gonna just try to destroy that island, but one person prevented him, and that is the owner of the Nika fruit. Yeah. AKA Luffy. And that was pre awakening. Yeah. Now Luffy's awakened, and the only thing that's stopping him is his imagination. Yeah. If Luffy. Wants to try to deflect that. You know that with Future Sight, he could see that attack coming. Yes. He he can. Not only could he probably deflect that attack, he could probably send it back and destroy Uranus. Yeah. That's what I'm predicting is going to happen. And I don't know if Eam would be on that that weapon or if he uh-huh. would just watch it as Uranus gets destroyed. That that's my prediction. Yeah. He's. Eam is going to try to destroy, you know, try some attack where Luffy is either in the line of fire or near it. Luffy's going to deflect it, and it's going to go back and destroy Uranus. Yeah. That's what, that's what I'm, I'm predicting is going to happen. So, um, just to kind of close out this chapter before we get into 61. Oh, uh, but enough, let's, 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 let's uh, I do want to talk about this one thing. The fact that, um... The fact that what's his name, um, you know, it, you know, in theory, the Gorose have the power to st- essentially pull Big Brother 
and say, oh, this never existed. But the fact that, um, you know, God Valley most likely, you know, got this treatment and uh, what's his name is um, Sengoku talked about it, two other Marines, means that it's probably not absolute. Well, here's what I think, because... It's not like I think so. I think word of this is gonna get back to Sakazuki because weren't the Marines uh, hearing about sword members? Possibly. Well, the thing with sword is that I don't. You know, sword may not be under Sakazuki's control. Oh, uh, we yeah, we know about that. Well, we yeah, know that's not under his control. Well, no, we we theorized about that. Remember. Uh, oh yeah, we did. Uh, yeah. yeah. So let me let me get into this really quick. So um, straw hats come across. So on on their journey, they come across what appears to be a winter island. It's got very strong winds and uh, uh, a lot of big waves and stuff. And then uh, Zoro gets to demonstrate his newfound talent, and he splits away with his sword. It looks <laughs> more like a water spout, is what it. Yeah. Means. Um, oh, yes, that's right. Yeah, it looks like that's what it was. Um, and then we see Jewelry Bonnie revealed at the end. Somehow she ends up flying towards the ship. And uh, her new bounty is updated to $320 million, which is almost twice uh, of what she was pre-time skip. So crazy chapter. Um, I think, obviously, the major really just way out there thing was just the erasure of the Lelouchia kingdom. You know, an interesting thing um, that um, Grand Line Review pointed out was that um, everyone else in Lelouchia kingdom, they were looking, the the angle was looking up, Mm -hmm. but um, from the looks of it, um, Sabo is not looking directly up. He's looking... Uh, horizontal, mm. which indicates he may not. It the call may have been coming from nearby Lelucia, but he may not have been on the island. Mm. I know this is like a fake out. It, th- this might be a fake out death, but the way that they are hinting it, it looks the way that it's you know um what's uh, that um Oda like Oda put hints in there that Sabo may not have been on. Well, I mean, nothing's at this point. Nothing's confirmed as of yet. That is a fact. The only thing that's confirmed is that island no longer exists. But what became of the inhabitants? Now, again, you know, it's one piece. Death is kind of interchangeable, obviously. But yeah, in this death case with Sabo, death, unless it's explicitly stated, is yes. not absolute. Yeah. So, Matthew, let's get into chapter 1061 really quick. So, um, Luffy is able to uh, get Bonnie out of the water. Um, and she says, water himself. Right, she says she was being chased by a huge uh, underwater sea monster. And, uh, and now we see this huge mouth 
trying to eat the thousand sunny. It reminded me of of um the the um, movie Meg, which is mm. about the megalodon. So you know, and then there's this a lot of uh, chasing, uh, being chased by this sea monster, which uh, actually turns out to be a, a a giant shark, but it also has a lot of um, it's mechanized. Ro- yeah, mechanized parts on it. Um, you get three Devil Fruit users, Luffy, Chopper, and Bonnie. They fall into the sea. Jinbei jumps into the sea to rescue them, so, uh, which is the natural thing to do, you know, because he's got good swimming. Yeah, um, But this shark seems to be a challenge for the, uh, for the Thousand Sunny. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. That's the uh, best way to describe it. Yeah, which is interesting. Um, and then well, let me see. We find out why. Right. Well, and then we, we see that um, Marine Base G-14, which appears to be at least, I don't know if it's the permanent, but at least the temporary part of the headquarters for S.W.O.R.D., as you were mentioning. And uh, we find out that, so, Kobe... And um, Drake are not the only members of S.W.O.R.D. Uh, as it turns out, there's quite a few other people. You've got um, a couple of these members here of S.W.O.R.D. And actually, I'm going to open up the S.W.O.R.D. wiki so that I can see who is in it. So, confirmed members are Drake, who's a captain. And then you've got Rear Admiral Prince Groose. You've got Captain Kobe, you've got Commander Hibati, who's a new character. Um, and Is she then, the one with the, with the spike choker? Uh, no, that was... That was Vice Admiral Dahl. And uh, I have no idea what her role is, but it does not have her as a member of S.W.O.R.D., at least... Oh, she's the commander of the G-14 base. So she she probably knows about S.W.O.R.D., but she's probably staying clear of any politics or anything. Yeah, association. <laughs> so Lieutenant Commander Helmeppo. So you got five confirmed members right there, and Hibati and Helmeppo are obviously distraught of the news of Kobe being kidnapped by Black... I'm wondering if... I'm wondering if, uh, what's it called? Um, Gart might be uh, involved with S.W.O.R.D. at all. Well, I mean, given his his connection two, to... Two of the, two of the three uh, members of S.W.O.R.D. Or, or two of the members of S.W.O.R.D. are his protégés. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would not be surprising. I mean, heck, man. Can you imagine if he was the one who was actually... I mean, because we have this Rear Admiral Prince Groose now... Him being the leader of S.W.O.R.D., eh, I don't know. That's a hard one to say. Could Garp be the leader of S.W.O.R.D.? Hey, man, that'd be a pretty, uh, that'd be pretty something to, to see that. I'm going to be perfectly honest. Um, I'm thinking, I'm wondering if S.W.O.R.D. might pull, try to pull a coup. Ah, that'd be a difficult one because that's only, you know, who knows how many members of S.W.O.R.D. There's, uh, at least according to the wiki, there's nine confirmed members, four that are unnamed. 
But that's kind of a long shot if you're only, you know, I mean, obviously sword could be even more extensive. Well, you uh, know, the well, what here so here's the thing. What if um uh what if at uh Admiral um Oh, one of the ad like Fujitora? What if Fujitora is the head? This sounds like something that he would do. <laughs> Because we know we know he's a moral justice guy. He does not like absolute justice. He was willing to he was willing to you know be a smart ass to um to uh, yeah to Sakazuki. Yeah. So, ah yeah, you know. This this sounds like something he would do, and we know he was drafted, so right. he didn't want he didn't want to join the Marines in the first place. So he was drafted. He's an admiral. It's it just sounds like something he he would do. That that would be it's quite, probably yeah. it probably would not be Smoker. Smoker doesn't sound like the type of guy. Uh, Smoker, who, Smoker. Well, I mean, even Smoker was willing to admit that he wasn't that smart. You know, when he was talking to um, Kuzan. You know, he admitted that well, to Kuzan. Yeah, he's willing to work within a system, but he... He's not smart enough to run the operation. Oh, he admitted that he wouldn't make a good... Uh, um, yeah. Admiral or... Yeah he, yeah, he had that conversation with Kuzan. So, so the ceiling for him is probably where he's at right now. Right, well, he would not be the leader of S.W.O.R.D. And, you know, judging on how things are going... He probably isn't involved with S.W.O.R.D. and probably neither is Tashigi, to be honest. Now, they might be aware of S.W.O.R.D. There is that possibility. Which Well, that's another thing, is that if you have people like them who kind of are more moral justice people and, mm-hmm. um, you know, would be willing to... Uh, it's... It sounds like there's people who might be more allied with Sword, and if there was a coup, might join them. Possibly. Because there's there's people within the Marines who do not, um, you know, d- don't agree with absolute justice. Right. So. Yep. Okay. So let me see here. Um. Speaking of which, have we talked about the Kuzan uh, sword membership um, theory? Um, no, we haven't. There, there's that fan theory that he might be, even though he's kind of aligned with the Blackbeard. Right, pirate right, thing. yeah. He he might actually be the the person behind sword, and 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 he never left the Marines, sort of thing. But if that was the case. Then that would have to involve Sakazuki's knowledge. That would have to. It would have. He would have to be involved with it because then he would have the knowledge that sword exists. Right now, there's no indication that he knows about sword's existence. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sword just doesn't sound like something that Sakazuki would do. No, it doesn't. He, he's he's not a clandestine person. person. He's a he's a upfront, full frontal assault 
type person. Yep. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't like politics. He doesn't like. You know. He's a boots on the ground type guy. Yeah. Okay. Well. Um. Anyway. So you know. So they're arguing back and forth. You know. Sword is arguing. You know. At least Helmepo and Hibadi are arguing with Prince Bruce about rescuing Kobe, which obviously they're not going to proceed with. And, uh, you know, they're still waiting for contact from Drake, who is probably still on uh, Wano. He, or he's probably trying to make his way back and maybe try to find a uh, Den Den Mushi, for all we know. So there's that. So um, we go back to uh, what happened with the Straw Hats. Uh, they're in a bit of a conundrum because, you know... This giant the, shark. The giant shark and the... Thousand Sunny is underwater, which is not good. Uh, you know, but kind you of. Have, you still have. Uh, you still have uh, non. Um, you still have uh, Devil Fruit. Users. Yeah. So then, what's interesting is then when the shark is trying to make a last attack, you got this giant robot that comes up by him and punches the the crap out of out of this shark, and then you hear this mystery person talking about how. The the shark wasn't programmed. Wasn't programmed correctly. So then the the robot fishes the thousand sunny and everyone else out of the sea, and then it uh, you know they Uh, go. It it does cut away. We should we should probably mention the the chopper um, the chopper Jinbe. um, Yeah, go ahead. Luffy yeah. uh, deviation first. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, you'll have to, you have to, I'll let you take care of that one. Um, well, I forget what all Jewelry Bonnie mentions when they are on that island. Oh, they're on Vegapunk's island. Yes, but they found that, that it is a Vegapunk island. Oh, that's right. Yes. She had business with Vegapunk. She was trying to talk to Vegapunk. So they came up to that point. But then, so now they're trying to figure out where to find Vegapunk. But we get the rest of the crew who was rescued by that giant robot. And then the uh, the door of the cockpit opens up. And you got this woman who steps out of the cockpit and reveals herself to be Vegapunk. And so now you got all these YouTube channels that are like, we've been waiting 20 some odd years for this to happen, blah, blah, blah. And just, you know, now you got all these theories going on about, okay, so is this really Vegapunk or not? And I got to admit, it's like, wow, that that's Vegapunk? And um, obviously that's, that's Frankie's idol because, you know, Frankie went during the time skip. Vegapunk's technology. Right. So it's like, is it really Vegapunk? And then, you know, obviously a lot of theories is, oh, it might be a clone or it might be that Vegapunk can transfer. So now we don't even know if Vegapunk is a man or a woman, you know, because maybe Vegapunk could have been a man originally and then somehow they transferred their consciousness into another body. So we basically all these don't just, know and the only... We basically yeah. don't know. The only way we're going to find out <laughs> is when it's explained. Vegapunk to explain herself. Right now, 
So that's uh, interesting to have seen. It's like now we finally have Vegapunk. Uh, it's like, Bleh? yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow. Okay, that was quite something. But so here's here's a crazy theory that I I heard about, and I think who was it? I think it was Grandline Review trying to to he he was talking about in one of his videos. Basically, they're trying to say you know because. That Vegapunk looks so similar to Uta from the One Piece Red film. And they're like, is, is you know, so Grand Line Review is trying to say, oh, is, is Oda trying to canonize the One Piece Red film? Because Vegapunk looks so familiar to, um, to, uh, you know, uh, what's it? What's her name? Uta, who is supposed to be Shanks' daughter. Again, the movies are normally non-canon, and we have some yet to movies, see some movies do include canon material, but right. the current the, the the events the events of the movies are considered non-canon, but they end up having later on canonical characters. The best example would be Shiki. So they're saying, hey, could, well, and actually Uta Wood is at this point semi-canon. The reason why I'm saying that is because of when, if you remember Shanks, right, the silhouette, Shanks, when he was battling uh, Rokugyu via hockey, conquers hockey, and that silhouette of Uta was shown. So. At this point, that means I'm going to consider her to be semi-canonical because she has come up in the manga. Well, you know, but whether or not the... The existence action, of Uta Yes, is, is confirmed, is canonical. Yeah. What her connections are, if she actually is the daughter of Shanks, is a whole other story that who knows if we're actually going to get it or not. So that's where we're at. So that was the conclusion, basically, of One Piece 1061. So, Matthew, I mean, two pretty big chapters, and it's making all the One Piece YouTubers go crazy. Just crazy. What more can I say? Yeah, it's, it's yeah, the... the Yeah, it's just it's it, this, this is this is kind of mind blowing. It's like here we are going 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 going. It's just like, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, All right. you are talking when you're talking about Vegapunk, you're talking about someone who created the Pacifista, which appear to, and then the Seraphim, who appear to be semi clones. Yeah. So now that this is gonna be the weird one that's gonna come up now. It's like how. How did Vegapunk perfect that technology? And like, again, you're talking, you're talking about a genius. Yes. I love how Vegapunk refers to itself. I'm going to refer to it as an it at this point. I re- love how Vegapunk refers to itself as a humble genius. <laughs> if you're referring to yourself as a genius, it's like there, there's there's no humbleness. Yeah. 
All right, Matthew. Well, I think we'll go ahead and close out this chapter. Now, there's no, there's going to be no new One Piece chapter next week. They are taking a two-week break. Which so, gives us the perfect opportunity to catch up on other stuff. Yes. So uh, our our plans for next week, uh, I'm going to be participating in another Yama Dojo uh, sumo uh, practice. And then the world championships for UWW have occurred. So we've got quite a few things to come up. How many medals did the USA win? And uh, for those of you who want to go ahead and spoil yourselves, go right ahead. We're just going to talk about, you know, the statistics and the implications behind, um, you know, the world championships, what we can see for the upcoming, you know, next couple of years or, you know, for the rest of this year, the indication of what's going to happen. So, uh, Matthew, uh, thank you again for your wonderful insight and everything that goes on. And uh, Matthew, where can our viewers and listeners uh, find us? Okay. Well, uh, we are, in terms of, like, just pure social media, we are on Twitter. In terms of our videos, we are on YouTube and Rumble. Um, mm. Is the Audacity a link yet? Link no. yet? Okay. Um, we'll get there at some to, point. To be determined. And yeah. then on audio, we are on Acast, Apple, Spotify, Google. And uh, through Acast's new... Um, uh, networking. We are also on um, Amazon Music, Samsung, and a, a, some play and um, Pod Chorn and um, the Hindu um, platform uh, Geos Seven and the French platform Deezer. Okay, well, Matthew is on uh, Twitter. You can follow him at Matthew Salzer, and then he runs the MMA Freak website, so you can find that. Follow it on Twitter, MMA-Freak, or I'm sorry, that's the website, MMA-Freak.com. The Twitter for the website is going to be MMA Freakout. So, and uh, I'm hoping to get some sumo content updated uh, here, and then I'm probably going to be looking at launching a... Uh, Kind of a commentary channel too, so uh, we'll be keeping. Uh, also updated. of note is um, if I don't post um, if I don't post a video this week on my YouTube channel, I will be posting throughout the um, month of October, um, almost daily. I'm not. It depends on how much work I'm able to get done, but basically almost daily uh youtube videos most of them are gonna be short versions of past videos but yeah all right so with that being said matthew uh we'll be saying goodbye for now and uh to our audience hope that you have a wonderful day and take care <laughs>